this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebound and Safety. Rebound and Safety is the YouTube channel and podcast. Wait, we haven't even done the hook yet. I'm, so, I'm, I'm just getting so bad at this. What's up, peeps? This week is a po- podcast exclusive episode, and we are reflecting on my chat with Steve and Michael Cormain. Wait, it's not Steve and Michael Cormain. They're not married. It was Steve Harvey, Stephen Harvey, and Michael Cormain. I hope you enjoyed the chat. Let's get into some of my thoughts and some of my notes just after the intro. The problem in safety isn't deviation, it's complexity. Health and safety has gone mad. Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution and one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish? Feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviours. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding safety, crushing a stereotype. Brought to you by Risplip. What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebound and Safety. Now's the time to do the intro. Rebound and Safety, doing exactly what it says on the team. We're here to change the perception of health and safety. We do that right here on the podcast. And we do that on the YouTube channel as well. So if you're new here, hit that subscribe button, the bell button, the like button, the follow button, whatever it is, on whatever platform you are listening to us with your beautiful ear holes right now. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Steve and Michael. What did you think? I thoroughly enjoyed chatting to those guys. So much so, there's another one. Surprise, surprise. We went straight back into it. We've got another one. We said we were going to do that anyway. So it's actually no surprise. So that's going to be coming out soon as well. So make sure you go and check that out for some more gold dust information. And uh, has my background music gone? Oh, no, there it is. I thought it had just gone off then. I was like, hang on a minute. It says it's still playing, but yeah. I feel like we've had this uh, this background music a bit much. Didn't we have this last time? What about this one? Oh, this is an old classic. Yes. Oh, yeah. Coming right at you from Rebranded Safety Originals. Back in the day, this is one of our first ones we downloaded. Mm. Anyway, I always get way too into this, don't I? I feel like I'm some kind of radio DJ. Fucking love it. Anyway, let's get into some of my notes then. Actually, before we do that, we need to have a quick mention from our sponsors, Paradigm Human Performance, and specifically their subscription service. Paradigm Human Performance HSE subscription service is the sponsor of Rebranded Safety Podcast and YouTube. And it's right for, it's right there. It's the perfect solution for those managers and owners of those SME businesses that are constantly spinning loads of different places. And health and safety support is sometimes perceived as an unaffordable or unreachable luxury, which is normally fine until something goes wrong. The cost of establishing a solid foundation of legal, regulatory and industry compliance and embedding that in everything you do should never be beyond the reach of any employer. Paradigm Human Performance global mission is to make workplaces safer, healthier, more respectful places where all workers are recognised for their contribution and respected for their subject matter expertise. Because worker safety should and must be part of your DNA of your organisation if you're going to thrive. 
Parahuman Performance has a great way to make that reality. Their HSC subscription service starts from just £99 a month. If you need help and support meeting their, your legal obligations, please contact them at 0800 566 8566 or email contact us at paradigmhumanperformance.com for more information and total peace of mind, peeps. I will put all of their details in the description below. I'll also put their website as well and you can go and check out their website and you can also check out their free learning organization webinar so you can get to try before you buy you get a sense of how freaking awesome paradigm are before you even try it and obviously i vouch for them because we're not money grabbing or anything like this on this podcast i would not have aligned with a company i would not have agreed to a sponsorship deal unless we loved the company unless we looked at what they do we saw what they do we we had relationships with them and we were like fucking love what you do we wouldn't move forward if we didn't have that and that's where we are with paradigm human performance i absolutely love treza whose company is i love what they're doing i'm i've not met one annoying person from paradigm yet they're all such a lovely knowledgeable team with such an extensive background and experience so definitely go check them out if you're your sme you're listening to this you're like a head of operations for a small business and you're dealing with safety yourself and you want that bit of expertise that's the place to go 100 percent and just finally a note from my own company www.projectmeletium.com which is the membership community for safety risk professionals whatever you want to call yourself this is the place that we wish we had when we when we started a safety professional me and the co-founder Colin Nottage founded this based on a few ideas and a few things we had and it's an amalgamation of kind of mastermind communities professional development communities book clubs and things like that so we have weekly calls we have a quarterly wagon wheel which essentially is kind of like a mastermind event we had an amazing keynote speaker our first one a few weeks back now which i'm just i'm missing like mad it was such an amazing morning um three and a half hour session which is just go 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 but if you're up for personal development personal professional development this is just a powerful event we had Jem hills come on and talk about his experience in the special boat service which is special forces in the uk and um he's talking about how his parachute failed on a jump and it was just oh my god it was so good and his journey into the special forces his experience and talking about personal resilience and professional resilience and just so much and it was amazing and then we really broke that keynote down with Jem. So we did workshops where Jem bounced back and forth and me and Colin facilitated those and took notes. And it was just a, such an amazing morning. And um, yeah, so we do that quarterly and uh, that's including your membership. And then also we um, also we do weekly calls as well, which are like little bite-sized versions of that quarterly wagon wheel. And we have a book club as well. In addition to a resource library where we're collecting as much as we can from our gears in the safety profession and our connections on the Tinterweb from around the world. We're trying to get as many papers, research, white papers, templates, documents, management systems, as much as we can, put it all into one place so our members can get that easy. And you can contribute to that yourself if you would like to. So hopefully this is the place for you. And if this is thinking, like you're, you're, you're listening to this and you're like, oh my God, that sounds amazing. Go to www.projectmiletium.com. Miletium is spelt M-O-L-L-I-T-I-A-M.com. Or 
if you can't be asked to do that, you can just email me, james at rebrandingsafety.com, and I'll get you on one of our weekly calls for free, so you can try before you buy. So, let's get into some of my notes with a stat, the chat with uh, Stephen Michael. So, Stephen Michael from Queensland Utilities uh, messaged me about coming on the pod, and I'm so happy they did. Such a great chat. I've got so many notes here, so I'm just going to whiz through them and then just waffle like I normally do. Trust is the first thing I have here. Employers were trust to force this. Forced to trust. Was trust to force. <laughs> what a dick. Were forced to trust their staff. Now, isn't it such a shame that we, we have to force people to trust their staff? But I've definitely seen that firsthand. Uh, boards and, and senior leaders and, and sort of might not have been as keen to work from home um, and, and trust their employees to just get the job done. Uh, forced to do it. And I think they've been pleasantly surprised. I think most people have been pleasantly surprised in how well their employees can do. And I think if you ever wish unsure about this new view, um, this new way of looking at safety, uh, that to trust your employees because they want to do a good job, then this is the time that made that prove it was going to work. Like so many people have just got shit done. Bus drivers, care providers, like corner shop running people you know it's just these people that we just took for granted for so long and some of us maybe even treated them like shit spoke to them like shit and now look your employers trusted you and you got shit done yes and People that were in the office nine to five, you must turn up at nine, you must finish at five, clock in, clock out. They were sent home with their laptop and they were told, just get shit done. And they fucking did, man. They did. So many companies just gone and got shit done. And they've survived one of the challenge, most challenging things we've ever done ever done i was in a meeting today with an amazing leader who said something that was just such a good um such a good analogy of what we've been through he said there are no books out there there's no senior leaders business specialists that have made a book about how to survive during a pandemic damn that was so true and our employees no one else no one else has made this work other than our employees and when you trust them Look at what they can do. Look at what they can do. Phenomenal. Shame that we had to force people to do it, but nonetheless, a great place to be right now. The use of Teams I've got here, use of Microsoft Teams. Now, one of my members uh, in Project Melee and Peter Jenkins, shout out to him. He's getting quite a lot of shout outs lately, actually, our Peter. Um, he he's doing some amazing work around this like utilizing teams and the structure and the, the the resources that they already have in a business to kind of structure his management system um and and just have you know your your kind of whole safety management system in teams for each individual team and i was just like damn i love that i've heard of people using whatsapp as well like literally just shifting everything over to whatsapp which i love like making this Putting safety in a place where people already are is just music to my ears. It's the same as advertising, like it's the same as marketing. It's the same as what I'm trying to do in this podcast and on YouTube is I'm trying to get me and safety and the message of safety 
in a place where people already are. So where was I going to if I wanted some help and support on something? YouTube, because that's where everybody goes. But yet in safety, there was not much. And if there was, it was just crap. So we did that. We just thought, let's just put safety in front of people's eyes. Where are people? They're on YouTube. And for me, utilizing things like that in the workplace, it just makes sense. So the use of teams for things that are just we would never think we could do before to facilitate learning teams to run accident investigations to run toolbox talks to facilitate call toolbox talks whatever you want to call it you could do all of that stuff on teams where you thought i never would have done that on teams or zoom or skype or or bloody denied citrus talk or some other crazy system that's out there and all the events that we've seen out there are oh, the the event that eric brashad have uh, run in America for the um, construction industry over there and uh, rebranding safety sponsored that it was amazing this little platform they had and had little booths and you jump between the booths and it was just like damn this is so cool so I just love seeing stuff that and I love seeing safety and a, a, a profession that maybe traditionally was a bit scared of stuff like that or not very welcoming of stuff like that and and, and I can you know I can be uh, criticized for that damn i still use a fucking file of facts to keep myself organized and i'm yet to get a solution that, that is better than a file of facts if i'm honest but you know it's just so nice and inspiring to see our profession just embracing this stuff and uh, and cracking on i love what steve says all the time i've heard steve talk a few times and uh, and michael obviously does this as well but i Steve says a lot, just tell me the story of the job. Tell me the story of the job. Now, this feels a bit woolly. This feels a bit uncomfortable. And even I sit here and I think, God, if I was to just go and talk to a load of load of construction site people or like manufacturing people and be like, look, just tell me the story of the job. They might be like, what the fuck are you on about, mate? Maybe that language is not right for you, but the context of what Steve is saying there, just tell me the context what... Tell me what this is like. What does work look like for you? However you want to say it, but I just love the concept of tell me the story that got you to this position. And it wasn't so long ago that I heard, I watched one on a, on a, it was a webinar by Nippin actually, which I think has gone on his podcast for Embracing, Different, uh, Embracing Difference. And let me, let me just quickly check what his name was. Ah, um, oh, damn, he's from Lund University. And he was outstanding. And at first I was like, what the hell is this guy on about? And then, um, here we go. Johan Bergstrom. I hope I'm saying that right. Johan Bergstrom. Go check out his stuff on YouTube. It's really good as well. But if you can go and listen to Emerging Difference and Nippon's podcast, he talked really nicely about taking inspiration and safety investigations from the arts industry and things like that around understanding a story and 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 looking at this from just a completely different perspective a completely different perspective and at first i was like huh what are you on about but then as i kind of soaked on it so to speak to use learning teams language i let it soak for a little bit over a few hours and over conversations on whatsapp and things and i was like all oh, right yeah i see what he's talking about now like being able to understand if you imagine like game of thrones yeah imagine 
the end book. So I'm not going to spoil it, but if you haven't you haven't seen it, like Jesus, get with the times. You got the end. You got the the end of that where I oh got <laughs> struggling not to spoil it. You've got the 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 end result, yeah, and you know that because it's happened. Well, that end result in Game of Thrones is your incident, right? Now, how long, how many seasons, how many books, how much, how many paragraphs, how many characters, how many contributing factors led to that end result? So for me, when I was looking at it, it's like we need to go back and just keep going back and keep going back and keep going back and looking at all those different tangents, those different webs that connected to that end result, that final scene that final accident and taking some inspiration from the arts and, and things like that, just trying to tell a story, which Steve just says really, really well. Capture the story. Just try to understand what the story of work looks like and take some inspiration from the creative sector and just not be so rigid in our approach. Like things like the five whys work really well and I still use that now, you know, why? What, why did people make that decision? You know, it's not about, oh, God, why did you make that decision, you fucking idiot? It's like, what what, what led them to make that decision? Why did that feel like the right decision at the time? What's the story behind that? You know, Balamori, what's the story? Yeah, if you know, you know. What else have we got? Metrics are a waste of time. What a massive statement that was. Metrics is a battle that I think I have a lot um, and I struggle with a lot because for me, for me, the metrics, the systems, the paperwork, the data, they, they, they provide some value. But you have to make sure that you are getting value out of them. Like, can you really critically and honestly say, yeah, I'm getting loads of value out of that, out of that stuff. So, like, it's got to be, we, we, we've got to make sure that we're getting value out of these systems. Or are we just asking for them for the sake of asking for them? Like, and it's a, it's a, it's a challenging battle because actually what this data, the rag charts, these accidents and incident data and all of this stuff, our systems, our processes, they provide a sense of psychological safety for our for our managers and for our, se our, our senior leaders it's, it's probably what makes them sleep at night because for them that's what tells them they're doing the right job so you need to be aware of that and I, and I get what Steve is saying I think a lot of metrics we do 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 who they are a waste of time and a lot of them don't provide much value and i do think that the we need to ask that question as to do they provide value i, I think the safety of work uh, work versus a work of safety paper does this really well where it breaks the safety stuff down into different um different types of safety and but it acknowledges the, the use and the importance and the value of kind of demonstrating safety through some form of charts and paperwork and so on and so forth um but i will i will say that our data does lack the qualitative information the stories the context behind the data and we do tend to just get sucked into number counting and bean counting of safety um it, it does lack the insight of of the employee's journey and and their challenges and 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 the story so to speak to keep coming back to that same point but it also lacks the insight into fatal risk because we can end up getting drowned in the in the low risk stuff 
um, and, and the stuff that we should just inherently be managing anyway. Um, and we, we get distracted from the stuff that really matters. Hence why you see a lot of the sticky stuff from like, say, Todd Conklin. You see a lot of that focus on the stuff that kills people um and and the stuff that matters and i and i do think that's important that's why you see like lang o'rourke separating out like the their serious and uh what's it serious and fatal injuries or something like that um so any kind of scheme that does stuff like that but acknowledges acknowledges that the data uh can distract them i think is a step in the right direction and i do also think that we still need to ask that question as to what value are we getting out of this report or this data or this rag chat or whatever. So I do, yeah, I do kind of get that point, but I do think it's not as easy as what we say. Um, I'm loving, I've got here the power of capacity. Like I'm just, I'm loving this movement towards a capacity to fail safely. Um, I just, for me, I think that's kind of what we've been missing for so long. And I, I think we, we do it and we know it and it's nothing new. It's just another way to call it um, good risk management or good risk assessment. We're always trying to build that. So this is not a dig on previous things, but, you know, it, it's safety is imagined and safety is done. That's not how we do our risk assessments right now. Um, whether we like it or not, I don't see people trying to build capacity. I see people trying to tick a box. And whether you think, oh, I don't do it like that, or you think, nah, it's not, I've not seen it. It fucking happens, people, whether you like it or not. How many fucking rams have you seen out there that just don't reflect reality? They don't reflect reality because we suffer from safety as imagined and safety as done. Now, not work as imagined, work as done. That's a separate thing. Safety as imagined versus safety as done is something I've made up, I think. But it for me, it's like how we think we, we, we're doing safety versus actually what actually happens like we think we're doing amazing work by just doing loads of promotional work around risk assessments and saying this is the first time risk assessments during covid has 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 helped us go back to work so let's ride this wave and i think that's really good and i do think that's really good we need to fucking remember what a risk assessment was for it's, it's 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 there to enable us to do the job and build us some capacity to fail safely not to toe the line, not to go, oh, is this likely? No, it's not very likely, but it, it could fucking kill you. Yeah, but it's not very likely, so let's not do anything about it. That was never the intent. It was never the intent. And I think the best thing you can do to move towards enabling you and yourself and your company to have conversations around building capacity to fail safely is by removing the numbers on your risk assessment. Unless you are operating in really complex, high risk processes where quantitative risk assessments are, are a thing, and, and, and I'm talking proper quantitative risk assessment, the shit that I will never deal with because it is like maths to its nth degree. Like, if you're doing a quantitative risk assessment, you know you're doing it, right? A quantitative risk assessment is not a five by five matrix. That's just a shitty half ass attempt that we kind of made up ourselves. And I think we could do big, we could make big strides by just removing those numbers from our risk assessments. Big strides towards having a better understanding of the stories, of the context of, of work, and a better opportunity 
to have conversations around building capacity to fail because it makes it more personal. I think the numbers help us depersonalize it, in my opinion. But I might be wrong. Let me know what you think. James at Rebranding Safety. Happy to chat. Or you can come and hit me up on LinkedIn. What else have I got in here? The power of shifting safety to an... Also, the power of shifting safety. I'd like to say there's a power of shifting safety to an ethical responsibility. Yeah, I, I think that I'm not really sure what I made this note, but I do I do have a thought around that and whether I'm whether I'm touching on my initial point of why I wrote that note or not, wrote that note or not, um, I have no idea. But I think there is a power on shifting um, safety over to an ethical responsibility. Um, I think it it's quite powerful when you do that because you go oh this is we're doing this because it's compliant no we're doing this because it's ethical and it's our responsibility to be ethical ethical i think that is a big statement from a company like it might feel like a platitude but i think it's a big statement like think about when you talk about being compliant it's like we're doing this because the law tells us to do that so subconsciously are we kind of like if the law didn't exist would we start sending kids up chimneys again and under machines we probably wouldn't because we're a bit more moral and a bit more ethical than what we were back in the day i hope so therefore moving safety to be an ethical responsibility our ethical responsibility as a company then i think that's a big step towards understanding that this is about people because it's ethical it's moral we as a company be we acknowledge we have an ethical responsibility to our people and it makes it more qualitative. It makes it more heartfelt. It makes it more personal. It makes it more emotional for me. And I think when we start having those conversations around morals and, and emotion and people, you know, it's not just 1100, not 1100. It's not just what, how many people did we lose this year through work? 111 or something like that versus 140 the year before. Like, it's not just, oh, yay, we've, we've only killed 111 people this year. We've, we're doing so much better. It's like, that's 111 people's lives. That's people's lives. They're not just numbers on a piece of, a piece of paper. That's 111 people have fucking died at work in England in the UK really like so anyway yeah I think the shift for me to more qualitative more ethical more moral more emotional conversations where we acknowledge that this is about people and this is about hurting or stopping the hurting of people I think would do well to to, to move forward with that conversation because if you can get your company to acknowledge this as an ethical responsibility i think that's a really really big step really big step we touched on in there about wearing ppe where we don't need it now this is a massive bugbear for me this is a huge bugbear for me and and i think it's really really dangerous to be doing stuff like that the blanket approaches of ppe which we see everywhere we see absolutely everywhere like wearing a hard hat where you just don't need it because it's fuck all above your head it for me has deeper and long-term unintended consequences in that 
that person thinks that fuck me health and safety's just gone mad so we have to wear it and it and it desensitizes them i think from safety so that when we get to the position where they actually really need to pay attention they've already got this attitude around safety um that it's gone mad and it's just stupid and and so on and so forth and the, and and they may not take something seriously when it when really it's really important at this time so for me you know the pointless wearing of high vis the pointless wearing of hard hats the blanket approaches of say you know hearing protection is a great example we blanket approach hearing protection all the time even though the guidance specifically says not to blanket approach and we just blanket approach it we force people to wear hearing protection where they don't need it and then it annoys them and then they don't wear it where they actually need it and i've seen that firsthand I've seen that firsthand is a blanket approach to wearing hearing protection led to people just cutting them in half and sitting them in their earlobes so that it looked like they were wearing it or just not wearing it at all and then moving up and down and once they get closer to the machine it got really loud and damaging their hearing i've seen it firsthand so i know that the, the, the blanket approaches and the over the top approach to ppe for me it's just really dangerous and i urge you all to critically ask yourself, do we need this PPE? Because if you do need your PPE, I'd probably say there's more that you could be doing to eliminate that risk. But I've got nothing against PPE as a whole. I think it's a valid part of what we do and it's a vital part of what we do, but it should be the last line of defense. It should not be a blanket approach and it definitely should not be. Let's just do this to be extra safe because people don't want to be extra safe people just want to be safe and what is extra safe like extra safe to you to what be able to say in court oh, we were extra safe but then you're not extra safe if that extra safety is making them switch off from safety and then not follow it anyway and not do it anyway and just keep whipping them because they're not doing it there is context to the behaviors and i think one of the biggest contexts to 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 the, the challenges we have in safety is this over the top use of ppe it is devaluing ppe in my opinion and i know that's a controversial point because i put it on linkedin a few times and got absolutely lambasted but i stand by it to this day and i've stood by it for many years now i think it's really really dangerous okay moving along from a rant about ppe onto something that i really love Queensland Utilities work process, and uh, we've, we're very lucky at Project Millennium. We've got their, um, we've got some of their guidance documents in our resource library for for our members to have a look at, and their work around worker insights that Michael talks about really well. For me, this approach, like I love the title, it's a insight. Like we're trying to get insight into reality of work, and we want to see the workers' insight or hear the workers' insight. For me, it's just, this is an approach that I think is just amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I think that I, I just I think that if you're trying to solve that workers done, workers imagined gap, then this is a good step. Don't get me wrong, if you don't really have the culture that you're you're gonna get you know like a not a not true a not a true reflection of work when you're there because you've got a bit of a bad culture maybe you need to do maybe not culture is the right word but 
you know, a bad relationship or, or one you're trying to repair, then I think that it, it's not as simple as just picking up, you know, the Queensland Utility Guide and going straight in there with your workers' insight. It's, it's a, probably a bit of pre-work there. I need to build relationships to get them to see you differently. I think a big part of what we do in safety is how they see us as safety professionals. Do they see us as the person that's come to check on them? Or do they see us as the person that's come to see if there's anything we can do to help? If they see you in the light of the latter, then I think your workers' insights processes are going to work really, really well. Um, but there's just no point doing it if they if they just see you as someone that's going to tittle-tattle on them and uh, tell the boss because well they'll just change how they act and when you're there it'll all be ppe and shiny shimmering floors because it's all clean and then the second you bugger off it's just gonna look the same old shit unfortunately and such is life Stephen schrock's blog which i'll link in the show notes around workers done and workers imagined where he breaks that down in further to have like workers prescribed and workers uh communicated or something like that can't remember that's really good i like that i really do like that all right people that's enough waffling from me i've gone over 30 minutes i hope you've enjoyed this episode i hope it's given you some extra insight into the conversation around um kind of new view safety i suppose it was wasn't it um with steve and michael um and uh yeah hope you enjoyed it don't forget to go check out rebrandingsafety.com if you want to get yourself some merch or you want to do some work with us um you can go and hit the contact us form there there's also loads of information around stuff that we can do for you you can buy your merch straight from there as well don't forget to go check out www.projectmiletium.com as well if you want to join our community our membership community for professional development within the safety community safety performance safety performance professionals safety professionals there we go completely forgot what we did um and don't forget to go check out paradigm human performance i'll link their website in the description below so you can go check them out but also if you're not sure about it and you think maybe this is something for me you can go sign up to their learning organization webinar in the link below and um and that will also enable you then to get a bit of a try before you buy so you can see what they're like um, before you kind of commit to it Awesome. I hope you enjoyed this episode, people. I'll catch you next week in the podcast. Safe. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the position of the companies. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are examples only based on limited and dated open source information and should not be utilised in real life as the only solution available. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the companies. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic or otherwise, without prior written permission from James McPherson.